Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, in this episode of the GH Report, a lot of shenanigans were going down this week. We've got uh, bomb plates, uh, we've got explosives, we've got um, you know, praying and channeling spirits into different bodies. It's been a bizarre week at GH. Let's get into it. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Hey, everybody, look at that. The familiar sounds of the GH <laughs> of the GH theme song. That can only mean one thing. It is the GH Report right here on AfterBuzz TV. Uh, I'm your only host tonight. I'm flying solo. That means you get a full episode of me just ranting away at all the things that really drove me crazy this week in Port Charles. Uh, I, of course, am your host, Frank Moran. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HappyGoJackie. Of course, uh, Lucretia and James, my other two co- uh, partners there in crime, they are off on assignment. I know James is up north uh, celebrating a birthday for his granddaughter, Lucretia. Uh, I believe she's doing some family things as well, so it'll just be me and you folks. And, of course, I couldn't be doing this completely solo because, as always, we have the fourth member of our team, Alexis, in the booth, making sure everything runs smoothly. Hello. It's nice to see you again. I know I wasn't here last weekend, so, I, it, you know. The absence was felt, but you were <laughs> off doing fantastic things. I so, was, yeah. yes. That, that con was fantastic. Uh, Alexis had just a fantastic weekend in Las Vegas. Yes, it was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's called Clexicon. It's C L E X A Con. So you can go ahead and look that up and see what that's about because it would take too long for me to explain what it is. So yeah. But did you? Was it just all con centered, or did you get a chance to like just hey, we're gonna go out and eat something fun? I mean, we tried, but you know, you you know, like when you're running around from a con when it starts to when it finishes, you're kind of like, uh, maybe I just want to go back to the hotel and sleep. Mm, I understand <laughs> but, that. But now we we got to eat around in um, different places. We um, I think we walked around mostly because it was in Bally's in Paris, so we walked around there. Uh, did not get to play any slots or, or any games and stuff like that. Um, and then went down to the arcade in Excalibur. That's Ooh, very it. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after that, it was just mostly sleep. All of the sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All the sleep. But you came back from Vegas a winner. I did. Oh, no, it was great. It was oh. the most life-changing experience for me. It was great. I so, yes, convention. definitely check out Alexis's Twitter. Uh, tons of uh, tweets and photos and stuff documenting that whole entire weekend. A lot of cool stuff to check out. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into this general hospital yeah. business. And speaking of social media, folks, you know what you can do? You can like us on Facebook. You can give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And, of course, hop in the chat as well. We always love hearing your thoughts about the uh, the series in general or this happened this week in uh, particular, these episodes as well. And probably because it's just me flying solo. Who can listen to me rant all day long? I know I can't. That That's crazy. So we'll open up the phone lines in a little bit, too, and have you give you all a chance to call in and Sure, what you thought about this week's happenings in Port Charles. But we will start it off with probably the, the coolest thing that had been teased about for a while, but uh, Hillary B. Smith uh, reprising her role, role of Nora Buchanan was finally coming onto the show. And there was some debate about what she was going to be exactly. We knew it was uh, something in the legal profession, but whether it be as a DA, just as a lawyer. And we find out that she's going to be representing Valentin Cassidyne in this uh, the custody battle between uh, the Spencers and, uh, well, Spencer slash Falconaries. And uh, Valentin Cassidyne. And it's cool because the way that uh, uh, Nora B. Smith gets introduced, uh, Hillary B. Smith gets introduced as Nora Buchanan, is over there in the Metro Court having a little drink. Uh, Diane comes in, and it was great to have uh, uh, Diane and uh, Nora share these scenes, too, as well, because there was definitely a nice spark between the two of them. Uh, so getting a chance to see Carolyn and Hillary do this was very cool. But uh, the way that it was kind of set up where you just, of course, the audience knows exactly that it's Nora Buchanan. Uh, but uh, Diane does not, even though she knows, knows the name, knows the reputation, does not have a face to go with the name. So they end up having a little bit of discussion. Diane kind of uh, says a little bit too much than she should have initially, but once she does find out that, oh, this is the, uh, the great and mighty Nora Buchanan, she does clam up. So we, of course, got the legal battle. And, you know, 
uh, yeah, I guess it was fine. It, it seems to be moving rather quickly. Uh, I mean, uh, Diane did do her nuclear option uh, as it went to, so that you know, the case, the explore, uh, exploration and discovery is going to be uh, uh, given a few extra weeks. So I guess there's kind of some new wrinkles to be uh, uncovered, perhaps, to kind of prove Valentine is not the exact uh, proper uh, custodian for uh, young Charlotte. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems terrible because certainly, I mean, Lulu is the, the, the child's daughter, a child's mother. But I, I still, I enjoy seeing Lulu just constantly fail and fail and fail and fail and fail with this. And just like, she is just so, uh, they just hold on to the thing. He killed my brother. So I need, I need full and complete custody of this child. And the way they keep, I, I you know, Whenever Nicholas does come back on the canvas, because he's too vital of a character to the history of the show, too many deep connections within the whole uh, cast of characters that surround poor Charles. Whenever he does come back in, the way they've been staging Valentine's, a uh, Valentine's kind of reply to anybody when they says, "Oh, you know, you killed Nicholas. You killed Nicholas." It's like that's one way of looking at it. It it seems more often than not that this is definitely another staged death, and that that. I think they're going to turn it around that Valentine and Nicholas were in cahoots for this because it just seems like they're really kind of setting that up for Valentine to be easily able to say, like, nope, you know what, he's alive the whole time, but uh, I can never tell you any of that because he was hiding in exchange for uh, him having his death faked and me helping out and assisting that. I was able to get the Cassidy uh, inheritance and get uh, Spoon Island and all that stuff. So I felt like they're really kind of, if you look at it through that lens, it certainly makes it a little easier to, uh, like Valentine. Uh, I know I was so initially kind of reluctant of the way they dug such a deep hole for that character when he first came on the show. Uh, but it seems now they're kind of backpedaling a little bit. So I'm on board. But uh, there was a little struggle, though, in the Valentine side because uh, Nina and uh, Valentine aren't quite seeing eye to eye because of the whole Anna thing. And trying to figure out, uh, it's because Valentine will go keep, he kept on going back to the hospital and checking in on Anna. And certainly once with his, was the excuse that, of course, you broke in to Castanet uh, uh, Manor and fainted right there and I took you to the hospital. So certainly given their history uh, back from the WSB, it doesn't make sense that he wants to at least check in. But the fact that he kept on going back, I, I feel like there's definitely some connection there. And it's kind of dwindled a little bit because story, other storylines have been taking these characters in different directions uh, momentarily. But uh, it's still enough there that Nina is very concerned and doesn't feel like that she's in the right space to be able to go down and testify at all. So uh, I, that, was, that was cool to see a little friction. And it was also interesting to see Laura kind of see that kind of potential wedge and try to go exploit that as well to get uh, a valid point with uh, – Nina, that uh, she, you know, Laura did bring up how she knows the Cassadines and kind of play to what she knows about the Cassadines with Nina uh, in terms of like, uh, does he have secrets? Is he not telling you the full story or only finding out things after the fact? So it kind of gave Nina something to think about uh, and dangling that carrot of like, if you decide to just turn against Valentine inside the custody battle, I can guarantee you that you'll still have a relationship with Laura, uh, with uh, Charlotte, even if uh, Lulu gets full custody. Um, you know, I mean, it ended up not really going anywhere. I mean, it gave Nina a chance to really kind of uh, talk to Charlotte, look at the family photo, kind of, uh, you know, think about how much she's wanted a child all these years and kind of really dedicate herself to Valentine. So, uh, yeah, it, it, sadly, I mean, at least it, was, it gave something to Laura to do. Uh, you know, I just, I, I'm still waiting for her to get her main, big, huge front burner storyline. I feel like that's still not something that's even happened. Even when... They uh, they ended up on uh, Cassidy Island and held a gunpoint to Valentine. I still feel like we still never really got to see a real big lore centric uh, uh, episode uh, storyline. And the stuff with her and Kevin is great, but I feel like we're only getting the scraps of that. Uh, but uh, Frank Valentini has said that uh, there is more storyline coming up for Kevin and Laura, which I can only hope for. They're going to be. I would love to just have a real big front burner story for the two of them because they have great chemistry. And how can you have to keep two great actors like that just kind of on the sidelines for so long? So that we'll see when Diane gets her nuclear option, uh, opens that up. We'll kind of see what these next couple weeks will lead with the discovery. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Lulu lose on this one for sure. I, I just keep wanting to see her get, get the feet of the entire time. And let's just have Charlotte be raised by Valentine. Uh, you know, it does 
I will give it up for Diane. She she is crafty, and like uh, Norby Ken said, like you know, she her her way of approaching it was interesting when she went the nuclear option with uh, Valentine and just saying, "How long have you known that Lulu was uh, the uh, that egg was came from Lulu?" and You've known this for how many years, and you never once told Lulu at all. In fact, Lulu had to come to you uh, and confront you to find out the actual truth of this. And that's been, and so that's the reason that she has no relationship with this child. That's why she doesn't know what her favorite song is or what her favorite color is or what she likes to do uh, when she's getting ready for bed, anything like that, because you basically didn't tell her that this child existed for these many years. So there is a point of view to that, but still, I feel like, Nina's right when it comes to Lulu and Charlotte. Just is thinking more about just the fact that it's a child and not actually that it's a uh, a, a person. Like it's Charlotte. It's just she's just looking at it as like this is a child and it came from me and I want it back, uh, but I really don't know this child at all. But I just want what's mine. Uh, so that is one storyline in here. Another uh, exciting storyline, of course, the other big one here has just been the whole uh, Olivia Jerome thing uh, that's been happening, and it starts off this week with, of course, we saw. Uh, Robin get uh, abducted by Olivia as they met. Uh, they did a little meet cute there in the hospital parking lot, and we do finally find out what Olivia's end game was. And it is bonkers. This end game was bonkers. I this this drove me crazy. I mean, one a nice nod to history that Helena had all this uh, machinery underneath Port Charles, uh, underneath the General Hospital, to bring Stavros back to life. So a nice big nod to that. A lot of people even questioning if this even still existed after the fire that hit Port uh, hit General Hospital, but. It still exists underneath there. Uh, so Olivia is just leading Robin through the tunnels there, finding it, finds this machinery, and the idea is that she wants to bring Duke back to life. <laughs> and this is so bonkers. Like, this, at least they gave a moment for Robin to say, you know, I didn't realize this machinery is still here, but this machinery is not going to work because the difference is, is that Helena had Stavros's body right there and was able to just at least kind of uh, nurture and uh, that that little that little spark of life that Stavros had to be able to bring him back to a full uh, to back to a fully functional human being. But Duke's been cremated. There is nothing to bring back with this machinery, and Olivia just seems like so uh, devastated by this news. Like <laughs> that's like the first thing is like, Olivia, do you have a body? You don't have a body because the body's been cremated? Then what were you expecting was going to happen uh, if this machinery had been up and running and was perfectly sound? Uh, one, you just got incredibly lucky that you found Robin there in the parking lot. So if you hadn't found that and you found this machinery, what were you expecting to happen? Uh, that you were just going to press some buttons and then all of a sudden like a, a panel was going to open up and there would be Duke standing right there? But then realizing that that's maybe not going to work, also realizes that, hey, you know what? I do have a strand of uh, of some of Duke's DNA. I assume like a strand of hair or something, which for some reason she's kept for all these years. Uh, and with thinks was like, you know what I could do? I could use this to bring back Duke. Which, oh man, you know I, the Cassidyne machinery is fantastic. It's pulled off a lot of miracles in the past, but at no time has it ever cloned a human being. Uh, from a strand of hair to bring it into a fully functioning human being. So that that that, that was the, the next route. I was like, oh boy, okay, great. Uh, and then Robin uh, Robin does her best to try to talk Olivia off of it, and just like you know what, you have to move on. You have to live. You have to live your life. And it, I thought at least that was a nice little moment because Olivia and Robin could at least relate to that. Uh, both losing losing somebody that they love deeply. I mean, certainly Olivia, uh, very crazily so. But uh, with Robin and Stone, so figuring out like you know, you think you what else can you do with your life? You just have to take it one day at a, one day at a time, just kind of keep moving forward. So that was nice. But of course, it can't end like that. You can't just say, like, "Oh well, we tried." I guess we'll just go our separate ways. Uh, Robin accidentally knocks uh, the, the the vial on the ground, shatters it, and Olivia melts down. You, you ruined my last piece of uh, that I had of Duke. <laughs> so. Uh, then the option then goes bonkers from here. Like when she decides that, you know what, I'm going to get that there's still one less piece of Duke in this world. I am now all of a sudden going to kidnap Griffin and I'm going to try to get Duke's soul to take over his body. (laughs) Which, like, because she's studied a lot of Eastern cultures, uh, a lot of different kind of uh, points of view about, you know, the soul and the spirit and uh, what it can do. Uh, But this was... 
this was like almost a bridge too far. Like, this is bonkers. What were you expecting was going to happen, Olivia? And the other thing that was crazy, too, is because uh, Anna and Griffin, they end up having conversations about Olivia Jerome and how dangerous she is and how obsessed that she is with Duke. And Griffin had this meeting with Olivia in the parking lot where uh, Olivia said, oh, my gosh, your eyes, do I know you? Uh, They talked about Duke. And she said, you know, she was basically, like, expressing how much of a fan that she was. Like, oh, my gosh, you look so much like your father's. You know, we have his eyes. Why (laughs) Griffin does not tell Anna, you know what? Funnily enough, there's this woman in town that you say is obsessed with Duke. I just happened to run into a woman down in the garage that just happened to talk to me about Duke. I wonder if they could be the the same person that we're talking about here. At no time does that come up. So, like, Griffin doesn't put two and two together until he goes into the elevator and meets Olivia inside there. And I have zero idea how she was able to knock him unconscious and then drag him down to that little laboratory underneath General Hospital. Like, I, I... the way that it, I was like, all right, is she going to, like, inject him with something? No. But she says that she knocked him out. And the way that the episode ends the day before is that she's, like, clutching his face, and Griffin's like, uh-oh, wait a second. I just finally realized that this crazy lady is, in fact, Julia Jerome, <clears throat> Olivia Jerome. And then, what, does he decide to just turn his back so that she can club him and then take him <laughs> take him to the lab? That, that was crazy. Uh, and then basically explaining to Griffin, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to light this candle, and when the candle goes out, that means Duke's here, and then Duke's going to come over and take over your body, and then we're going to have Duke, and that's uh, that's going to be great. So sorry, Griffin, you have to go away so Duke's soul can take over your body. That, I was like, okay, this is crazy. Uh, but then, of course, Anna, uh, on the case, as always, uh, Anna knows what the deal is, uh, even though she's, when we find out that she's on blood thinners and everybody's saying, you know what, you can't be involved with this, Anna, because you're on blood thinners. And if you get cut once, you know, you could bleed out and die. So you just know as soon as she goes down to find uh, Olivia, of course, Olivia's going to have something sharp in her possession. And indeed she does. She has a scalpel. So you just know when they get in a fight, of course, Anna's going to get cut. Because there's no reason that you'd have somebody that's on blood thinners and then have all of a sudden you have to have some sort of kind of sharp object to be able to cut them. So... Of course, Anna and Olivia struggle. Uh, it was a nice little fight scene between the two of them. It went on for quite a while. But, of course, eventually uh, Olivia is able to cut and uh, slice her palm open. So she is bleeding. And uh, eventually Olivia is able to get the upper hand. But before she kills her, Griffin gets himself free and smartly, I th- well, I thought smartly at the beginning, decides, you know what, I'm not going to just rush in and try to tackle her or take the gun away. Instead, I'm going to pretend that this whole thing worked. I'm going to pretend that I'm Duke, and I'm going to talk her off the ledge and get uh, and get her locked up, get Anna to safety. And it starts off pretty well. And I'll give it up for uh, Ian Buchanan. Big props for Ian Buchanan to come back for such you know such a small little bit on the show. But it was a nice callback to those characters, that storyline, that history. And uh, I really like that he came back just even for those few sh- few short scenes. What I was kind of hoping would happen is that uh, after the drink that uh, that Olivia gives Griffin to help this whole transfer process happen, that maybe Griffin would uh, dream or hallucinate uh, and see his father and be able to have at least some sort of kind of imaginary conversation with him. I thought that would have been kind of cool, to have those characters have some sort of connection. I was hoping they were going to go that route. But instead, they just... uh, had uh, him impersonate Duke, and then Ian Buchanan came in and kind of played Duke to Olivia. So that that's who Olivia was saying. And I know some people on Twitter were going like, "Isn't it? shouldn't Olivia see like a younger version of Duke because that's when she last saw him? And yes, of course, that's what she should have seen. But I would rather have the real Ian Buchanan playing that than uh, like just some kind of like, you know, like cut back to the original sequence like with uh, – with Duke kind of talking to her, I I was like, no way. Any chance that you can really see Ian Buchanan, I'm all down for that. So uh, it starts working at first. Uh, then, of course, that Olivia realizes that, you know what, I can't let Anna leave. Duke, I can't let, you let her just go away. And I was hoping that uh, Anna could have played it a little bit better, like uh, at least in terms of, uh, my, you know, I – to kind of really sell it a little bit more, that to feel like that that sense of hurt and loss, that like Duke is now back to life, but has chosen to embrace Olivia and kind of shun Anna, and Anna playing into that and just sounding really desperate and hurt and lost, uh, may have like at least thrown Olivia off a little bit more. I just felt like there was so little uh, like embracing of like you know this is what we're trying to do. Uh, we're trying to fool Olivia, so 
Anna, I need you to really sell this. I need to really sell that your heart is breaking because I'm back to life uh, in Griffin's body, and I'm choosing to reject you so that I can be with Olivia, the person that kind of brought me back. Uh, but they, they don't play that way, and I was kind of, you know, I was hoping for at least to try to sell that a little bit more. But, of course, uh, you know, uh, Griffin, gets the, uh, Griffin gets the great idea, like, you know what, I should be the one that should shoot Anna. And Olivia gives him the gun. He turns the gun on Olivia. Uh, and it goes and ties her up. And, of course, Olivia says, you know what? Uh, you know, if you do this to me, you're never going to find out what happened to Robin. Throws out a, through a few menacing things, uh, kind of some allusions to their history. And then Anna collapses, and Griffin picks her up. And then <laughs> Olivia just kind of, you know, just kind of saunters out. Uh, and Griffin, you know, has the gun, and you can't shoot her. Uh, can't do it at all. And Olivia just, you're not going to shoot me. You're not going to shoot me. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. So she's gone. Uh, we also have Jordan Ashford, who uh, is on, on the hunt as well, gets knocked out a couple times, uh, gets knocked out. Uh, we get her found. Uh, uh, by We get her man, Curtis, in the hospital, uh, who's the only one that's able to find her. Like, nobody else in the hospital decided to call Jordan's cell phone. Nobody did. Uh, it just happens to be that Curtis is like, you know what, I'm going to call her, and just so happens to be right next to the door where the phone is, and Jordan, of course, as well. So... She's out. Uh, they're looking around. They find out that, uh, one, Robin's still missing, uh, and there is a bomb now. There's a bomb now happening here at uh, Port Charles. So uh, what I do like, there's, uh, of course, we see Jason and Sam and the baby and Alexis over there uh, all bonding over that. We find out that the name of the baby now is Emily Scout uh, Morgan, and uh we do get some scenes with Monica as well, which is nice, and to be able to kind of give, name the the baby after somebody that's so dear to not only Jason and Monica but the Quartermain family as well. A little nod to that, so that was a nice little touch. Uh, I still love the name Scout, uh, you know. So I feel like you know Sam's like mm, Scout's kind of boring by itself. Uh, so they decided to make it a middle name and name her Emily. I it feels like everybody's still going to keep calling her Scout, except for Monica. I think Monica will always call her Emily, but. I feel like Jason and Sam and uh, Danny are so used to just calling her Scout that I think they're always going to refer to her by that name more often than not, I think. But anyway, they decided to go with that name. A nice little nod back to history. And then we find out, all right, Robin's still missing. Uh, Olivia Jerome's on the loose. And I feel like Sam's already, is she here because of me? Is she here because of me? No, it's okay, Sam. You can let it go. Uh, Forget about it. So uh, Jason eventually says, you know what, I'm going to go try to find her. Uh, you guys stay here. I'm going to go look for Jul- I'm gonna look for Olivia. Meantime, we also have Julian. He gets out. Uh, he is trying to check in on Sam and the kid, make sure that they're fine. So he's walking around the hospital until he gets a call because we find out that Olivia very easily was able to escape the hospital uh, and has made it back to finally, I think, the meeting that everybody's been waiting for is to have Olivia and Ava meet. Uh, you know, certainly these characters had never knew each other uh, during the original visit because Ava wasn't around then. So finally, it's cool if you can get Tanya Walker and uh, Maura West to be in the same scene. That should be really cool. And they have a little brief conversation. And uh, so the whole thing is like, where's Julian? Where's Julian? Where's Julian? How would <laughs> I'd like to know? It's like, uh, what do you... How, what, how would Ava know? Ava's been in prison, uh, in jail, because of what... Uh, what uh, Olivia did, but uh, so I'm assuming that the chain of events for Olivia is that she escapes out of the catacombs there where the Helena's lab is. She gets to her car, realizes the trunk is popped, uh, and Julian's not in there any longer. But uh, your first thought is like maybe that he was found, and since I'm parked underneath the hospital, maybe he is in the hospital getting checked out and observed. Uh, instead, she doesn't think that. She just goes to Ava's place and says, "You know, where's your brother? Where's your brother? Call your brother." Uh, Ava, I guess, yeah, I got to pay him back. He's got to pay. And so Ava calls Julian. Julian heads to her house. And by the time she gets the, he gets there, that Ava's alone in her place, tied up, and Olivia's not there. And I'm thinking the whole point that you wanted Julian to come there was that you wanted to deliver some payback to, <laughs> to Julian. And so I'm like, Olivia, why aren't you just there right then at that moment? Uh, but he's not. Uh, uh, she's not. She's gone on to the next thing, which looks like abducting Alexis, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, I, it, this whole this whole drawn out thing is like you wanted Julian to come, so why not just be waiting there? And as soon as Julian walks in the door, you shoot him. Yeah, but no. 
Uh, she's just drawing this out. I feel like there's this is one of the frustrating things about this storyline is that there's so many opportunities that while Olivia has been wanting to kill Julian for what he what he did to Duke, that and he's been in uh, in position to be killed by Olivia many times, and Olivia has not done it. Uh, keeps threatening to, but then never does it, and then gets angry when Julian's missing. It's like, oh, I, he needs to pay for what he's done. Well, then make him pay the second that you see him again. Instead, no. Uh, now it's going to be dragged out where we get Alexis roped back into this, where she's going to be kidnapped, which uh, I feel like is just trying again to reestablish the Julian-Alexis bonds there by having Alexis held hostage. Julian is going to have to fight to you know save Alexis, and this will kind of maybe at least... If it doesn't rekindle romance, at least rekindle, or at least uh, allow them to be able to, you know, make some kind of inroads on reconnecting a little bit, so that's not total hatred. Ugh, I, ugh, this is so dragged out. I, this is killing me on this one. Uh, but of course, uh, we do have then uh, Curtis uh, and Jordan going around the hospital. We have uh, Sam running into Anna, uh, who's been brought back up. Uh, it's still two weeks to go on. We have a few scenes with her and Dante. Uh, and I, I did like to see the scenes between her and Dante. That was really cool, where Dante's like, you know, you got Anna, you're bugging me. You're going crazy. I need you to stay in this room. You can't keep running around. You can't be, you're, you know, you're on blood thinners. You're weak. You've just been, you've been sliced. You've bled out. You just, just sit still. Uh, and for somebody like Anna, who is used to being uh, a gung-ho lead for the front person, I can, and especially you add in the fact that it's your daughter, who's pregnant with another one of your grandchildren, makes it even doubly hard to just be able to sit still. And I can understand that because poor Charles Police's track record is not always the best. So understandably so, you don't feel that secure in leaving the fate of your daughter and granddaughter uh, in their hands. I can understand that. Uh, but uh, as always, you know, the cops leave. Uh, Jason comes by. And, I, you know, it was nice to have uh, Jason and Anna, a combination that we don't often see very much. And they both have a strong connection to Robin. But we haven't really seen a lot of scenes between the two of them, especially with uh, Billy Miller back in there. So it was cool to see them kind of uh, work together to find it. And uh, as they go by the elevator bank, because Anna feels sure that Robin is in the hospital, feels absolutely certain. Like, this is where this is where he is. She's here. I know it. I can feel it. Uh, they go by the elevator bank. And <laughs> I don't I, – how this bomb got in there and nobody noticed it uh, and nobody thought of, like – Hey, we're just going to stop the elevators and put a sign on there. We're not just going to open the elevators. Just do a quick check, scan to make sure that nobody's in there before we shut them down. But uh, they clearly didn't. So this elevator gets brought up to one of the floors of the hospital. Uh, they put police tape in front of it. They put a sign on it that says, you know, do not enter, do not use. But inside it, of course, is a bomb on a timer. And we pan slowly around and we see a pressure plate. And who's standing on the pressure plate but Robin? Uh, who's kind of tied up and is uh, has a piece of tape over her mouth, so she can't really let anybody know where she is. Uh, I <laughs> this is this is so crazy to me that uh, like that this elevator is sitting in there and no one has checked on it just to make sure. Because what if they'd stopped the elevator and there was somebody on the elevator, and then that's that's frustrating. So before you stop it running, just check the elevator one time before you before you stop it running. But nobody does that. So, of course, we have Robin in there. Anna and Jason realize, you know, uh, Anna can sense it. Like, oh, my gosh, this is a callback to history because I, uh, you know, Olivia used an elevator against me. I lost my uh, unborn son with Duke. Uh, so Jason opens it up, and, and voila, there's Robin inside of the elevator. Uh, and then we get to see uh, Jason uh, and her chat for a second there. She, you know, he cuts off, takes off the tape, cuts off the back. Uh, and Jason selflessly says, you know what? Um, you're pregnant, so of course you're not going to be staying here in this pressure plate. Uh, Anna wants to rush in. Uh, you know, and Dante's saying, yeah, no, no, we can't be doing that. Uh, Jason decides, you know what, I'm going to take your place on the pressure plate. Of course, uh, as much as I was frustrating, uh, I said this a couple weeks ago, or maybe in the last episode too, where it's always Jason running in to save the day. Why can't Sam ever save the day? Uh, I, maybe it's because it's Jason and Sam. Um, that whole dynamic always seems to go down that, that direction. But uh, any time that we get to see uh, Jason coming into the rescue of Robin, uh, I'm always a fan of that for some reason. With Sam, it drives me crazy. But with Jason and Sam, uh, Jason and Robin, I actually like it. So 
Uh, maybe because it's char- characters that have such a strong history together that don't get a chance to see each other that often these days. Mainly because Robin is across the coast in Berkeley right now. But uh, it's always great. Anytime she comes back into town, there's that instant just, you know, reuniting that connection that they've always had. So for him to be able to go in uh, and so easily want to sacrifice himself to help somebody that means so much to him was really cool. So he takes Robin's place on the pressure plate. They get Robin and Anna out of the hospital. And, uh, of course, we see Jordan and Curtis show up there as well. And I love, again, I was wondering, like, this is so weird. Why is Curtis all of a sudden here in the hospital? But uh, you understand completely because it leads to uh, the, the best part of the week is when anytime you get to see Curtis and Jason together. So, uh, Curtis, I do like his reaction when he sees Jason standing on the pressure plate. Like, what have you done? You dummy, what are you doing on this pressure plate? And uh, they realize that the bomb squad is not going to get there in time. Uh, so the idea is, hey, at least if we take the elevator up, all the way up to the roof, maybe we have better options. Maybe we can you know, run it off to the edge. We can throw it away or do something. Uh, but don't let it detonate right here in the center of the hospital. Uh, and I know uh, Vanessa Antoine, she uh, tweeted out like a little uh, meme that was uh, <laughs> just about like her look as she's uh, – Jason's like, hey, anytime now, uh, Jordan, you want to hurry up with this bomb squad uh, while she's on the phone. And then she just drops the phone for a second and just shoots Jason a look like – yeah, I get it. Got it. Right. Please stop reading me the right act. I know how to do my job. Uh, that little tweet there, she shared that picture, was, was pretty cool. But uh, the elevator needs to go up to the roof. Uh, and so Curtis, instead of just pushing the button and then stepping back outside the car, jumps in to take the ride up there with uh, Jason. And that, I felt like that moment right there, they have already been kind of, uh, kind of you know, solidifying this kind of relationship. But I feel like this one... Uh, firmly puts it and establishes it as a, a, a great new partnership on the show, and I'm excited about it. I feel like Jason uh, really is going to appreciate Curtis uh, willingly stepping in to help him for, in a situation that he didn't have to. Uh, so I feel like this is only going to strengthen their bond and makes me excited to see uh, what Curtis and, and Jason can get up to. And, you know, I guess if Sam wants to be around and do some stuff too. But uh, I really like that this is solidifying the, the Jason-Curtis relationship. So I guess we'll find out on Monday exactly how they get out of this. But, of course, we know they're going to somehow. Uh, the other big hospital drama that we have, though, is uh, we've got uh, Hayden and Finn. And uh, we also get a, a scene with uh, with Brad and Finn. And, of course, Brad has been blackmailing him for a while and is, is mad at Finn for selling the patent and basically cutting uh, Brad out of any of the money. And, you know, Brad was saying, you know, this is the money that was going to set me and uh, – Lucas up for life. That was going to be set. And it certainly felt like during this whole conversation that Brad had always had like one, uh, something over Finn because he wasn't going to, re- he always knew the fact that he was addicted to Zen, uh, Zen, Zen. So he's always like, you know, I can report you. Uh, so either, you know, uh, let me in on this and uh, almost like let me share credit and buy my silence or I'm going to just report you and ruin your career. And I loved that uh, Finn said, you know what, I, I asked around about you as well. And uh, basically calling him morally suspect. Uh, his love for uh, Lucas made him a changed man, and he's oh, he's trying to earn and be worthy that, of the person that Lucas wants to be, wants him to be. And that if if uh, Lucas were to find out what Brad's been doing, would that relationship still stand? And so it was interesting to see Brad realize, like, all right, maybe I played my hand a little too far, uh, and he realizes, you know, I guess I'm not going to get what I want out of this. Uh, so that was cool, but still, even though he's not getting what he wanted, he still uh, is, you know, uh, can't let uh, Finn just be treating patients while he knows that he is addicted to a, 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 an illegal substance. So he does share that his fears with Griffin, and I like to see him with. Uh, it's frustrating because yeah, again we get Griffin, who I like that is just directly heading right to Finn and confronting him head on about this, uh, and says, you know, I'm marching you right down to Monica about this. And there's always something that comes up along the way to stop Finn from doing this. So I'm just like, why, why, why does this only have to be like, you know what? We have to be there together in person in front of Monica for me to be able to share, tell her what I need to tell. Instead, while I'm having to go deal with this person in intensive care that can't leave the hospital, uh, I've got to deal with her. Why can't I just on my way to go visit her? You know, why don't I call Monica uh, and tell her on the phone exactly what's going on? And let her start handling that situation while I take care of this patient. Instead, he says, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to, even though I said I'm doing this because I've got a Hippocratic Oath. I do no harm. This is really important to me. I'm very angry about this. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to walk away and, uh, you know, 
We'll see what happens. So that was frustrating. Uh, as well as, you know, this whole Finn storyline is just, man, just please speed through this addiction process. I, you know, ugh, it's just, I, there's, there's so much more that you can do with Finn. And we've talked about this already for a couple weeks. What you can do with Finn. What you can do with Finn. Uh, that doesn't have to, that doesn't need, doesn't require him being addicted to an illegal substance. Substance. Let him go to rehab. Let him let him get clean. Then come back and do some stuff with him. That's not about that. I want. I'm dying to see what a Finn storyline is that doesn't have the shadow of an addiction hanging on top of him. What that would be like. I would love to see what that. I'd love to see more of that. The Hayden Finn relationship where we don't have to worry about that and him trying to hide and sneak around. Uh, that would be great. So please, just the sooner we can wrap this up, the better. But I feel like it's to be able to do, you know, to treat it realistically and do that story justice. It's going to be a, a month, maybe two, that he's going to have to, you know, just kind of be uh, off canvas, so to speak, to, in terms of going to rehab. Because certainly, anytime you check in, there's a certain period of time where you're not able to be in contact with any of your loved ones, and then eventually that that kind of filters out. But you need that time to be able to be completely checked out and away from anything that's from your past life, so you can make those new habits and kind of reframe your mind. So. Uh, maybe it's lining up with a little uh, a little vacation time for Michael Easton that they're they're going to set it up and so that while he's doing the vacation that's also going to sync up to when Finn goes to rehab. Uh, the sooner the better though. So Michael Easton, please, I hope you have some kind of great like spring break vacation. Maybe with your family, you're heading out to spring break soon, uh, so that that we can get Finn in rehab post haste. Uh, that that also led to a nice little scene between Liz Hayden and Finn and. Liz bringing up her uh, past relationship with Lucky, who at a point was addicted to to painkillers. <clears throat> and so it was nice for them to have a little bonding moment there that wasn't argumentative. but uh, And I like that Hayden, uh, fully aware of uh, w- what Finn is uh, all about and that he's addicted and that she has already kind of ser- served him several ultimatums, didn't, didn't bark back at Liz, but basically appreciated what she was trying to say. And uh, I thought that was a nice little moment. Just, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge moment, but it was just a nice little moment of connection that's not an argumentative point between these two sisters. So I did enjoy that scene. Uh, what I did not so much enjoy is, uh, man, Franco, man, what are you doing with Franco? It is now his job is he works in the parking garage at General Hospital, which, you know, at least sets it up that they can find Julian's body inside Olivia's car. Uh, it sets it that that beat up, but man, this is this is what we're doing. I mean, and Liz is like, hey, wait, what about the janitor job? Uh, it's like, oh well, you know, this one was ready to go right away, so I could get this. Uh, and Liz does appreciate that he's willing to just do whatever it takes to earn some sort of living wage. Uh, but it's just like, man, I don't. The idea that Franco wants to just be always around Elizabeth, and I'll do anything in this hospital that just allows me just to be around you, uh, man. It's just like well, we're trying finding another passion in your life, Franco. I know art is, and I know Elizabeth is, but let's find something else too that is out that you could be passionate about as well. That you can, you can't live your whole life just being completely Liz focused. That's just not a, not a great way to be doing that. Uh, so. Just, I would love to see Franco not in the hospital, uh, not trying to get some kind of job that he could be around Elizabeth, but just doing something else. Uh, I know that art therapy, I think, you know, of course, if the funding was there, he would do art therapy. Uh, that was at least, he was at the hospital, but at least he was pursuing something that he was still had a connection to. So now that that's stripped away, is art therapy available at a different hospital? Is there something that he could do at a community center or something for for the community? I, there's got to be something, some other avenue that he can find that uh, maybe stokes that kind of artistic passion that he has, but uh, doesn't require that he needs to be around Elizabeth all the time to do it. Uh, now, uh, so the, whatever they're going to do with the storyline, please just, yeah, I don't know, just move that along too as well. There's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of just like moving along with a lot of these plots. Uh, the, um, uh, the, okay, the big one though is, uh, and I guess I'm saving this for last, is uh, been the whole Nell, Carly, Sonny, Michael 
Jocelyn kidney situation. And, of course, this, this really broke last week. Uh, and we had Vanessa Antoine in here. And, of course, I, I did a little ranting, but uh, I really couldn't get into it because, you know, of course, we have a guest. We have to be, we have to be uh, polite and pleasant in, in company, for sure. But this storyline just, I cannot I can, I stress how underwhelming it was to me when this was revealed. That we've spent this much time setting up Nell's character, and then this was the reveal that we got. This was the reveal. You made her look like an idiot. Uh, it's just, I, she did all this for the whole, for a misguided reason. I, and so she had no leg to stand on when all of a sudden uh, all the cards were revealed. And Carly's like, why did you do this? I had nothing to do with this. I did not ask for your kidney. I did not do any of this. I thought uh, I thought Jake was Jocelyn's kidney donor. That's what we thought. And so that, when Nell finds out that everything that she came here to Port Charles to gain vengeance for was completely wrong, which she still hasn't bought into yet. Uh, but we, the audience, know, yes, Nell, you came here for completely the wrong reasons here. You were way, way, way off base in what you thought actually happened. Uh, it just makes all these, it makes this whole long, huge setup. Like, this was it. We spent this long with just the reveal, you know, just looking at that rattle, looking into that box. Just so much time spent on this. And then we have, you've, you've made this character that you want to come in and be devious and be manipulative and is looking for vengeance. Uh, instead of giving her a justified point of view for herself, it may not be the right point of view, but at least it's justifiable. Like this, uh, she she had nothing. She had nothing. Like any comment, just any digging into this, and listening to Carly's story, listening to history as they're talking about this, would have let you know. Like you know what? I think I've been played, but she didn't. She oh, it just it took anything that you had for Nell and just completely cuts her at the legs. Uh, like how can you feel sympathetic for somebody that came in because they were a dum dum? So this. Oh, this this, this storyline was driving me. It's, dri- it's driving me crazy because we. It's been what almost, close to a year. We're coming up. Uh, if maybe anywhere from like ten months to a year that Nell's been on the show, and then this is what we get. And we we all know, of course, that for the longest time, when Jax came out of the show about a year or so ago, when this all was going down with the other uh, kidney drama, that Jax had something to do with how uh, Nell's kidney ended up in Jocelyn. Uh, and so to have all this revelation come out and not have Jax there for it, instead of having just Nell being just mad at Carly and Carly being like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I thought this was Jake's. Oh, I had no idea that you were even involved with any of this. To not have Jax there to at least turn that towards him and for him to explain himself is ridiculous. And I know he's coming onto the show uh, to be able to have those conversations. But, man, I feel like that is just too late. Like, we, we missed the point. Jack should have been there right at that moment. It should have been building up to Jack's being in town and all of this coming to a head. Instead, he's got to come in uh, like a week or two or however many weeks it is before he comes on the show after the fact. And then we've got to start rehashing this all over again. This is uh, – you know, and who knows – what the real world dynamics were in terms of Ingo's availability or whatever that maybe is leading to this kind of haphazard way of executing the story. But I figured with a year, a year, you had almost a year to tell this story, and this is what we're getting. Like, you you could have thought it out better. You could have made the reveals a little bit better. You could have given her a more justified reason for having hatred towards Carly so that uh, and and at least share that with the audience so that we could have been invested in this along the way instead you kind of just frustrated the audience and then frustrated the just made the reveal so lame that like how can you pe- expect any of the audience to be engaged and care in the story uh, yeah and maybe some people are maybe there are some Nell fans and if you are that's great uh and and you know maybe I am a Nell fan it'd be interesting to see what happens after this uh, but man, right now this storyline just like we get to see her going through. Like, hey, maybe I'll get a job over at the the, the floating rib. Oh wait, Felicia Cohen owns this. Okay, great. I'm not going to get a job here. Uh, finding out that she get, you know can't uh, because she didn't finish college, she can't get a job as a teacher. So basically, we're just watching you know just episode after episode of her being shut out of different avenues in life and still deciding. Hey, you know what? I'm going to still stay in Port Charles. Uh, Carly does come back and they do have a little follow up conversation. And Nell shows her all these letters that her father wrote to Carly and uh, and has them all returned. They, came, they, came, they all came back returned. You answered one of them and returned all the rest of them. 
And Carly, you know, I have no idea what you're talking about. The fact that she has no idea, and if you could just, you just now, here's what happened from my point of view. Jocelyn was Jocelyn was sick. Jake, uh, who is my dear friend Jason's son, uh, was killed in an accident, and we needed a kidney. He happened to have a kidney. It was a match, and that's what we did. Just explaining that to her. That's exa- we have we have medical records of this whole procedure. This is exactly what we thought happened. We thought they came from him, uh, and just say this is what happened now. Uh, that they don't walk this through, just so you understand, like, what the deal is. Instead, uh, Nell's like, no, look at this letter you wrote back uh, and said, hey, don't ever respond. You know, stay away from me. Uh, I don't care what happens to you and your kid. Well, one, if it's Jax that wrote that letter, uh, <laughs> which it must be. Jax must open up that letter because I don't know anybody else that would have opened up that letter. But, man, Jax, <laughs> one, like, the handwriting for this. It doesn't look like anything like Carly's handwriting. So who wrote this letter? Uh, if Carl Jacks maybe got another woman to write this in his place, but still, like that is really harsh language to use uh, against you know, like Frank is one thing, but like why are you going to just like uh, like diminish Nell, a child that you've never met before at all? You, why you don't need to be so rude to that? I, that that struck me as that. So we see Carly make a call at the end, where I, I'm assuming that she's calling Jacks. Because she, Carly's got to be smart enough to know that the only other person that was around uh, that might know something about this is Jax. So I need to talk to him because he's clearly been resistant on me making any connection with Nell. Uh, let me find out what he knows. So I'm hoping where that that's where that goes. Uh, we do get a little bit where, of course, we spent so many times trying to foster this relationship between Michael and uh uh, Nell. So now, of course, Michael's got to like, you know what? No, you came in here. You took advantage of the situation. How could I ever want to be in a relationship with you as well? And I do like that everybody's mad at Sonny. Everybody's mad at Sonny. Uh, <clears throat> but it wasn't until that Nell planted that bra that Sonny thought that there was something off about. And I mean, Sonny yeah, he had his kind of you know weirdo suspicions about Nell, but because uh, she was always around, uh, always doing that stuff, and eventually they sleep together. But even she was. She played more like the, you know, like, oh, my gosh, we should really tell Carly this. Uh, you know, I can't lie. Please don't make me lie about this. She's going to know that something's off. Uh, really kind of playing like that she was, she really cared about Carly and Sonny and their relationship. Uh, and so it wasn't until that she planted the, blo- the bra that Sonny goes, you know what? Wait a second. This is not totally, totally up and up. And this happened, gosh, uh, from when the reveal happened, was it maybe two, maybe three weeks uh, before that reveal happened uh, in, in Nell's apartment. So for Michael and Carly to be all over Sonny about this, like, you knew for this long and you just let her constantly, continually ingratiate herself into our family, three weeks, that wasn't going to make any big difference. She was already way in deep with the family by the time that that happened. So for them to be so mad at Sonny for something that happened that he only knew for sure something was off about Nell for maybe like three weeks before the reveal happened. So... There, there was plenty of time that Nell was around ingratiating herself into the family that Sonny had no idea. Like, even though they slept together, had no idea, though, that she had uh, – she was looking to use that as a blackmail payback revenge scheme against Carly. So, like, dial back the, uh, the indignation towards Sonny. I mean, <laughs> what was the guy going to do? Uh, you know, look, man, my gosh. I've been ranting so long about this episode that uh, we are quickly running out of time. Uh, Alexis, I ranted way so long. Look at me. I apologize. No, it's it's all good. No, I even I feel like you were like he ran, he ranted too long. No, 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 no. I mean I'm doing other work too. Oh, so, what? I'm listening to you. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, this is interesting. Like we were actually having conversations like in the chat, and it was it was great. Oh well, look at that. Yes. So. Uh, I am just uh, I'm just ranting and ranting and no, ranting. No, I love it. No, 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 no that's yeah. fine. That's fine. Uh, so I feel like that is uh, that is coming up. Should we do one call? Sure. Because yeah, I did promise that we could get a call. So I think we have time for one call today. The number, everybody, uh, is 424-253-0749. Maybe we can squeeze in two, but we'll make them really quick and short. If you guys want to chime in about your thoughts about this, if you want to just tell me to, like, Frank, ease up on the rants. <laughs> what are you doing? But the rants are the best part. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so go ahead and call. Uh, meantime, though, we, of course, we've got the whole big, the whole big bomb. We've got uh, uh, look at these awesome comments. 
um, Miss Y-A-K-K-I. I just want to spell it out just in case I messed it up. Um, he's like, we love your Frank rants. Um, Annie says, thank you for the rants, Frank. They give me life. Oh, my uh, goodness. Kevin. Uh, is it? Wait, wait. Oh, Kevin has been awesome in the chat because he's just given everybody life. But Kevin's <laughs> like, I'm actually a little upset with Sam because she was about to drop Scout on Alexis and go. Ugh. She just had this baby, you know? Yeah, that was killing me. It's like, I got to be with Jason. I got to be with Jason. Like, yes, you just, I like Alexis reading her the riot act. You know, you are going to be with your mother and uh, you're going to be with your daughter and I'm your mother. And we are all the Davis girls are leaving right now. And I like that she gave Sam no opportunity to argue with that. It's like, we are leaving and we're leaving right now. Nice. Uh, our Melvin fan said amen Annie, meaning that she agrees. Uh, TR said, get it, Frank. Go in and let have. <laughs> uh, um, uh, oh, and Dion, uh, Dion's, cor- or Dion's Corner said, Frank, ease up on the rants. Oh, well, I want to know what you love about the show, too, sometimes. Uh, you know, I will say one thing that is making me sad is that, of course, Jane Elliott is leaving the show. So uh, one thing I love about the show is Tracy Quartermain. And I am worried that uh, her leaving the show and what that spells for the Quartermain uh, legacy going on. Because Wally Kurth is not on the series as a regular right now. He's kind of bouncing between that and days. And if you're going to have Jane Elliott leave the show because she's deciding maybe it's time to retire – that you can't leave the Quartermain family kind of strangling us, just like floating out like that. You need to lock down Wally Kurth, bring back Ned Ashton. Right, right, right. That's what you need to do. So if you can get that going, I'll be very excited about that. Yes. Um, I'm trying to read everybody else on here. I just want my, oh, well, well, we got a call. Ooh, we got a call. All right, guys, we got so a call. Before I answer, just to let you know, make sure you turn down all your media. And um, obviously, we cannot keep on the phones too long. So here we go. Hello, caller. You're calling into the GH Report here with Frank Moran. Please say your name and where you're from. Hey, it's Kelly from PTI. Oh, Kelly from PTI. How are you? I'm great. Waiting for 11 inches of snow coming. Oh, well, uh, better you than me. <laughs> Come on, Frank. Frank. What? What? No. What? No. I, I don't want. I don't want 11 inches of snow in my life. No way. I'm good without that. Uh, best of <laughs> luck with that, Kelly. Uh, so what you think? Good. <laughs> what did you think about this week? The whole darn thing was good. Oh, you loved everything. Mm, for the most part, yeah. You loved Olivia trying to resurrect Duke. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hilarious, but just like ridiculous for like how she thought this was going to be a successful idea. Uh, that wasn't going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> like there, at, at no time did any of it seem like a viable option. It's like. Come on, at least at least have Olivia have some kind of shred of an, like a, a really tangible goal. Like this was just like I mean, she has no hope for this. Yeah, and, and those machines were not going to work. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> they were muscles. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was like a little three D printer was just going to print out a new version of Duke that was just going to come stepping out. As much as we like Max, there's no shirt on. That's not going to work. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it, people, if you love Griffin uh, Monroe shirtless, this was uh, your week to love it because he did a lot of just like a lot of uh, shirtless acting. Four days. Yeah, four days. Four days <laughs> holding a gun, having a little uh, scalpel cut in his chest. What more could you ask for? Yeah, but yeah. I, I knew that uh, what Jason was going to do with Robin. It's He's been doing it since she was 17. Yeah, no, I, I, again, I like their relationship, and it's always cool to see them kind of reconnect like this. So in these times of danger, uh, it's cool to see them reconnect. I'm just waiting for Patrick to get a load of this. <laughs> oh, Patrick, Patrick, I know he's not a huge Jason fan, but how could he not appreciate the fact that he was willing to sacrifice himself for her? Come on. Yeah, but he's always had something. <laughs> uh, he's always had a beef with Jason. Oh, that's Hello. true. Uh, all right, Kelly, just because I need to try to see if I can get one more call in. I know, I know, and I can't wait to see if uh, they get this bomb figured out, because we did that back in, what, 07? Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like Curtis and Jason are going to make it work. I feel like it's going to be good. Uh, Kelly, thank that. you so much. I love that romance. <laughs> oh, that is, it's my favorite. It's, uh, that's one thing I am loving about the show, for sure. Hands down, Jason and Curtis, let's see more of that action. Uh, Kelly, okay. thanks so much for calling. Hey, good luck with that 11 inches. Well, thanks. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right. I guess we can do one last call <laughs> before we wrap everything up here. You got it. All right. Go ahead, caller. You're reading with the GH report. Go ahead and say your name and where you're from. 
Hey, everybody. This is Mel calling from Brooklyn. Oh, my goodness. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Doing good. Came in a little late in the program, but um, I really like the show. I I, I miss um, the, the crew. I, I think I didn't call it since Nadine was there, but um, and I miss her very much. But no. I did think tonight's show was wonderful. Oh, that's very kind of you. No, I, I miss having uh, Ladine around, but uh, also miss having Lucretia and James. So, uh, yes, yeah. I'm sorry you've had you've all had to just deal looking at this ugly mug for uh, for straight up for almost going on like almost an hour. So I apologize for that, everybody. <laughs> what did you think about this week? Oh, well, you know what? I think that um, I think I'm going to keep it brief. I think that I love that uh, ABC Daytime has unlocked the bolt. That they finished a lit- litigation, I hope, and now we're seeing some of the the wonderful characters from the shows that's gone, and you know the the, the beginning of Nora. It felt like it, I got excited, you know, because it was like, oh wow, they got her. What else will they do? You know, so that was really exciting for me, a person who who watched um, ABC Daytime for over you know twenty years. So you know, very excited about that. That was a big thing. But you know, what I wanted to say too that you have wonderful perspectives on things. I wanted to ask you, you know, for me, you know, you. I don't know if I like all the killing and the murder and all that kind of stuff right now. For me, I, when I got into it was with um, Felicia was running from Ryan. That was 1993. Mm-hmm. And I remember in, when that was done, there were conversations. I would give anything for two characters to come in the middle of the show and sit down with, you know, either they sweep in or clean or cooking, and they're talking about you know, they, they lives and things like that. They're really physically doing something, drinking tea, you know, slow. I don't need a lot of killing and murder. I'd rather have affairs. I'd rather have uh, business things. I love when you had Wally Carf on because, um, I, you know, I, I need more family stuff. I, I was wondering, because you have such wonderful perspective, what would you pick? Because, you know, the, the killing and all the other things they do is too much. I, I'd rather it be more simple and more... Opera. Yeah. Not really like trying to be diehard or something because it fails and it does that. No, I agree. It's like I feel like this show for the longest time has taken such more of a, a mob kind of slant to it at, at the mm-hmm. expense of losing the quarter main legacy. And we've talked a lot uh, the past months and stuff. Like if you could get uh, Ned Ashton back on the campus and have him go head to head against Julian in a business sense, not in a mob sense, or get Jackson right. on the show and have more business dealings and build up ELQ again, there's a lot of cool business stuff that you could do. On yeah. the show that yeah, doesn't require, that. yeah. Did I ask you how long? How long have you watched the show? Oh my uh, gosh! Uh, let's see, my, my, I got it off my grandmother, so I think it was probably ninety-two. Yeah. Okay, so you came in. So you came in the same time as I did. So do you remember those times? I mean, Jackie Zeman is a goddess, and I, I'm, I remember that's when she was in the heyday. But you remember the time where her, and Bobby, and Felicia used to have conversations in the brownstone? Yes. And it, it, you remember, it wasn't too much action. It was more about them having. They had big things going on. You know, she was running from a serial killer, but and Bobby was at uh, was trying to save her marriage. But you, they would have these scenes where they would start an episode of General Hospital with the two of them. But maybe after two commercials, here come Bobby and them coming downstairs and they sitting, they sleeping. It was very natural. I guess that's what I would say, naturalistic. No, I and, agree. Uh, Brenda had wonderful conversations with um, Robin. It was conversational. And then you had your drama, you had the bitchiness and, and all that, but it felt better because you could look on YouTube you could see the difference. I don't think you need to shock all the time. I'm no. Because you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, because you, know? you need to be able to, you need to invest in these characters. The shock's great, but only if we care about the characters. So you need moments like that for us to be able to invest in them. That's right. Absolutely. I think that, and I'm going to let you go, but I think that when um, I, I also watch all my children, and they used to have like a murder a year, not a murder every week. I remember like um, it was the mystery, that the promos, who killed uh, Will Chamberlain yes. or whatever it is. Will like, Cortland. You remember? Yes. And it, so it's months and months, but it was one murder. It wasn't 25. You know, and, and it, took, it gave a chance to people to breathe and why did they want to do it and secrets. And I need that. I need more development and you don't need a lot of money for those kind of stories the people the producers need to know you don't need a lot of money to do that you don't need to work sets. you need to just do good writing and give it to the actors Kamala you said it better than I could have thank you so much for calling thank you thank you thank you Uh, oh absolutely we'll talk to you soon Uh, everybody Thanks so much for uh, for hopping in the chat. Thanks for conversing uh, for uh, talking back and forth with Alexis. Alexis, thank you so much for uh, chiming in on the chat as well. 
Always. Oh, my goodness. That's so kind. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're wrapping up this episode of the GH Report. My rantings are done. You guys can go back and enjoy the rest of your weekend. But, of course, you can always like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And, again, thanks again for everybody for hopping in the chat. Uh, Lacresa and James will be back here joining me next week here. In the meantime, if you want to continue the conversation with any of us, after the show's over, you can uh, follow us on social media. For me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HappyGoJackie. Uh, the Instagram is if you like food. Guys, if you like food and you like looking at pictures of food of, of what I'm eating, just go ahead and uh, do that. Seriously, do not look at his Instagram if you have not eaten t- <laughs> that day because it is the worst. It is torture. <laughs> oh, that's so kind of you, Alexis. Uh, folks, that's going to do us here uh, on the GH Report. We'll see you back here next Sunday with another hot episode of the GH Report right here on AfterBuzz TV. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.